You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning. Glad that you guys have joined us. We are continuing on in our message series called Intentional Living. Today we're talking about the respectful wife. And there's lots of books, lots of sermons on the topic. And uh, oftentimes it's given completely by the husband or the male. And so today we're going to have a special teaching time. My wife's going to join me on stage. I'm so excited and uh, to be able to, to do that. So she's going to be a part of this message today. So it's encouraging. If you missed last week, make sure you check out The Loving Husband. Uh, that was where we kicked off uh, uh, the first part of this kind of little marriage series within a series. Well, hey, I like to start with something fun. Uh, laughter is good medicine for the soul, even in these COVID-19 days. Uh, recently, one of my hunting buddies sent me uh, a, uh, this text with a photograph on it, and it says, uh, it was right when the stimulus package came out, and it said, uh, for $1,200, we'll come to your house dressed as a COVID-19 rescue team and take you from your wife, and we'll go hunting for 14 days, then return home, direct message me if interested. So I thought that was a pretty funny to, to see that. You know, it's interesting though, there is a, a sense of reality in that, maybe for some husbands and wives. Uh, the Bible is filled with all sorts of truth, and when you have a, a good marriage, a, a gospel marriage, you wouldn't want to leave your wife. You love being around your wife, even though there's an incredible difference between a husband and a wife. But the Bible is incredibly truthful about humanity and relationships. Proverbs 21, 9 says this about uh, the challenges of living in a relationship. This husband writes this in 21, 9. It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house, is, as the English Standard Version translates that. For my redneck buddies, you might be asking, is that a single wide or a double wide? But I thought that was pretty interesting. And if the author didn't think it was important enough, he's going to mention it again. He says this in 2119, better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. I mean, that's pretty tough. Thursday's going to be 105 here in the Phoenix Valley. That's really hot. And the reality is that the Bible captures the tension that exists between a husband and a wife relationship, and it's incredibly truthful and honest. So we're going to jump into God's Word together. I want to lay down kind of a foundation for what it looks like uh, uh, based in the context that the Apostle Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus about uh, a husband and a wife relationship. So let me pray, and then we're going to jump into the Scriptures together. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. I pray for all the viewers that are watching from home or wherever they may be, that they would simply look at your word, hear the message that is taught today. Father, take all that is truth in scripture and magnify it in their hearts and in their homes for the glory of Christ in their lives and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, hey, today, if you're a single lady, this is a great picture for you to understand the calling, the high calling as a wife uh, that God could call you to. As well for uh, uh, single uh, men, this is a picture of the kind of woman that you would want. The Apostle Paul lays out the, 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 the picture here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22, all the way down to 33. It says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he may, might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body." Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So the question is, is what is respect? Before we get started, you need to have a good definition as to what it means to, to respect. Respect means to revere, defer to, or to honor. And um, it's, it's something that's going to take time to understand. And I can imagine as you heard some of these big words like submission or headship, you're thinking, man, what does that mean? Uh, perhaps if you came out of a domineering uh, family background where your dad was a dominator or a dictator in the relationship, you have probably a very challenged view as to what that looks like. But I want to relieve some tension just for a moment that uh, Jesus and the early apostles, they all elevated the role of women contrary to the Roman culture around them. And so even the terms that we hear, as though they may sound archaic, they're incredibly biblical and liberating as we further understand what they mean. Remember last week, we talked about the role of the loving husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. So today, let's unpack first, before I invite Leslie up, kind of these big theological categories. Number one, first truth is this, is that the respectful wife understands biblical submission and headship. What is this idea of, of biblical submission? I have a, a definition. It is uh, not on your notes, um, but I want you to, to hear it, and I'll repeat it a couple of times. Um, submission in the Bible is a divine calling of the wife to respect, support, and help her husband's leadership. Let me say that again. Submission in a biblical sense is a divine calling. It's not just a good idea. It's a calling from God specifically for the wife to respect, support, and help her husband's leadership. But then there's this word phrase that we see in headship. Look what it is. It, it, this, this headship is the divine calling for a husband to follow Christ's example 
Christ is a sacrificial giver of himself towards the church. He died for the church. This headship is a divine calling for the husband to follow Christ's example as a servant leader. The biblical paradigm for a husband and a wife is that there's this divine calling for the wife to follow in this calling to respect, support, and help her husband's leadership. And for the husband, it is this divine calling to follow Christ's example as a servant leader. Look what the scripture says in verse 22. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's a divine thing. The submission that takes place isn't just for anybody. Let me clarify too. This isn't for all women. This is for a wife. The, 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 the challenge is, is simply in the marital relationship, God has created it complementary and the wife is to submit to the husband as to the Lord. It's everything we do should be unto the Lord. Whether we eat, drink, whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. Uh, Jesus said, if you uh, help these little ones, you're helping me. Um, Whatever we do, we do it unto the Lord. When we're giving, we don't just give to the church, we're giving to the Lord is what we're doing. And so in this, there's this divine calling. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, And you think, okay, the head of the wife. And I've heard many wives say, yeah, my husband may be the head, but I am the neck and the neck moves the head. And that is true in so many senses. I mean, a a neck is attached to the body and it does have the strength to move the head. And I will testify, my wife, Leslie, is a godly, gifted, strong, uh, blessed woman with lots of gifts and skills. And I'll tell you, every direction that I take, it's not without my wife being completely behind me, but I can walk in a confidence and a calling because I have the support and the encouragement and... I'm trying to make decisions based on her interest as well as for the whole family. So the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its savior. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. And I don't know what you're thinking. You're thinking everything? everything. Everything in a biblical sense, as long as whatever the husband's calling the wife to do or direction to take, as long as it's not sinful, hurtful, or harmful, is the, is the contextual understanding that the Apostle Paul is laying out. A couple of key categories to be thinking about in this is that, number one, uh, the, we are, uh, men and women are equal in value, but different in roles. From the very beginning, when God created man and woman, it says that God created man in his own image. That word man is plural in the Hebrew, and it means both men and women. It's a reference to humanity. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And then in verse 28, it intros out and begins and says, and God blessed them. God blessed the differences between a male and a female. Uh, Men are very different than, than women, despite what culture is creating, that there is very little differences between a male and a female. Science will tell you different. Um, Men are very different. They're equal in value, but different in role. 
um, there is a reality for the, for the woman is called to be this helper. The, the man is called to be the provider and the protector. In scripture, when you look at the role of a man, he is called to provide for his family. He is the one who's called to go to war if necessary. Nowhere from the Old Testament to the New Testament is a woman called to provide all or entirely for the family. Nowhere in scripture is the woman called to go to war uh, for a, a nation or a country. Um, but the man is to do that. There's these differences in our roles, but there's an equal value. It is called the Imago Dei in the Latin, in the early translations, this image of God. It means that everybody deserves dignity, value, and worth and respect. God created man and woman equal in value, but very different in roles. And this idea of, of subordination or submission, we might think this is unique to a, a marital relationship, but actually it's interwoven and it is kind of the underpinning of the Trinity relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says, there's, uh, the Apostle Paul makes this parallel between the marriage relationship and the Trinitarian relationship. He says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. Did you get that? The, so the, the leader for every godly husband is Jesus Christ. Uh, who's our example? Christ is our example. What are we to do? We're to follow Christ's example. That's our divine calling as a husband. It's not an easy calling. It's the right calling. But, every, but the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, Many of you ladies might be saying, yeah, but I'm still the neck. Yes, okay, you are. Uh, and the head of Christ is what? God. In Matthew 26, 39, Mark 14, 36, Luke 22, 42, John 6, 38. In all four gospels, this phrase is recorded when Jesus says in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knows he's going to the cross. He says, Father, if there's any way this can pass, take it from me. And then he says, not my will, but what? But your will be done. There is a subordination within the Trinity. Jesus Christ defers to God the Father. The apostle Paul said it, the gospels record it. And then there's this subordination as well within the Holy Spirit. There's a subordination within the Trinity. We see Jesus says in John chapter 15, but when the helper comes, he's referring to the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you, from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Jesus has the authority to send the Holy Spirit. In the Trinity, we find a subordination. Let me clarify, though. Still absolutely equal in value, just different in roles. Uh, the, the Trinity is there is one God, three persons, all fully being completely divine, of the same essence, the same being. They are equal in value, different in roles, very similar to the pattern in marriage that we have, equal in value, different in roles. And so their divine order within the Trinity reflects the human order within the marriage. Let me say that again. The divine order that we find in the Trinity reflects the human or the natural order within marriage. And then some of you may be saying, but what about if I have an unbelieving husband? Should I still respect him? The answer is absolutely yes. It says this in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if, the even if, even if some do not obey the word, and that word, word is the gospel. 
Even if some do not obey the gospel or believe in the gospel, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see what? Your respectful and pure conduct. What's the calling of the wife? This is a radical statement, and I'll unpack it more next week. Unconditional respect. Not conditioned, but unconditional. Even some husbands make it incredibly difficult to respect. Why? Because they're not very loving. But there is still a calling, even for the unbeliever who may be walking in deep patterns of sin, for the wife to find areas to show respect. So I want to invite my wife up, and we're going to unpack the next couple of points together. Hey, guys, we'll thank you for joining us, Leslie. So yeah. great to have you on. We've been married 18 years, and this message prep for this actually has been really fun. So um, we're going to walk through a couple of points together, and so I want to encourage you um, to, to just listen in and listen closely. She does a great job every time, so glad to do it. Uh, the second point that I want to tell you about, and then I'm going to have you, if you don't mind unpacking it a little bit, illustrating and giving some examples or whatnot, but is that the respectful wife will struggle with sin and fail to rest in her role comfortably. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, so why don't you help me unpack that a little bit? I mean, we know that the Bible says that the wife will try to, in a sense, compete. In Genesis 3.16 is this verse that says, in the very beginning when we see in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve rebel against God and do their own thing. They face the consequences they deserve and listen to what the consequence is for the woman. It says to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. That's why childbearing is so painful. In pain, you shall bring forth children. And then now listen to this. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband but he shall surely rule over you. It sounds like a wrestling match, things going wrong in the marriage. So why don't you talk about just this competition that happens in marriage sometimes? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. And I miss the church, miss gathering together on Sundays. So I look forward to the quarantine being lifted and being able to come back together as a church for sure. But yes, so competing in marriage, it's a real thing. It happens. So Ryan is the head of the house and the leader in our house, but there are times that I still want to be the boss. So um, I like to be in control. And for the most part, I've been a stay-at-home mom. So I've been doing most of the discipline. I'm at home all the time with the kids. I spend most of the money because I You're running buy, the budget. Right, I'm oh. running the budget. Yeah. I'm doing the grocery shopping on a weekly basis. So... There are lots of times where it might, you know, we struggle to feel like who, who's the boss, who's the leader here. But um, the truth is that when Ryan and I are making decisions together, we're making better decisions. Yeah. And when we're on the same page, we're working better as a team and we're in unity. So when I consult Ryan on the purchases, when I consult Ryan with discipline, and when I consult him with our calendar and schedule and travel plans, then he feels respected, and um, we're doing better as a team. And, you know, my go-to phrase that I've kind of conditioned myself to say now is with the kids, I'll say, well, let me talk to dad. That's my go-to phrase. Let me talk to dad. And that way, they know that Ryan and I are on the same page, making decisions together, and I'm modeling to them what respect looks like. Yeah, and I would say, I know that 
I know when things are going wrong, when I come home and then she says stuff like this. I've heard you say this. You've said, I feel like I'm parenting alone. Mm. You know, I feel like you're doing your thing and you're not, and I'm left to make a lot of decisions and I don't like that, Mm -hmm. but you'll do that. And I think part of that is as a husband, you know, it's taking that initiative as a servant leader. And we define servant leadership at the church as taking the initiative for the benefit of others. And so if I'm taking the initiative for the, ben- for the benefit of Leslie and my children, then I'm asking her in the morning or when we get together for our little devotional time, what do you got going on today? How can I be praying for you? Mm-hmm. And then she tells me and then I know and then I'm more engaged. But we all miss it. Just like I said last week, husbands are going to struggle with sin. Wives are going to struggle with sin. Even the loving husband's going to struggle. And so is the wife going to struggle, the respectful wife. So additionally, there's this idea though, Leslie, that the wife is to complete her husband. And biblically speaking, the wife does not complete her husband. And so it's bothered me. I remember we watched the movie, was it Jerry Maguire or whatever, the famous phrase, you complete me. And when I first became a Christian, somebody handed me Systematic Theology by Dr. Wayne Grudem and a big Bible. And I read, uh, unlike probably some new Christians, I read theology and Bible for two years all by myself. (laughs) And I remember thinking to myself, this is wrong. This is wrong theology. Every believer is complete in Christ. According to 2 Peter 1.3, it says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Additionally, in Ephesians, we had already read it, it says this about being complete in Christ. This means singles are complete. You're not half a person. You're not half a person if you're not divorced. You're not second class. You're complete in Jesus Christ if you're Christian. It says, blessed be the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with what? every spiritual blessing. That means you've got everything you need to be the Christian God has called you to be and live the life he wants you to live. And so, but this tendency can be in some relationships where the husband's perhaps passive is the wife can be trying to like be the savior and to play the role of God. Why don't you speak to that? Right. Well, you know, as wives, we are the helpers and that's close, similar role to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the helper. Well, there's a fine line between wife and Holy Spirit. (laughs) And as Ryan's Holy Spirit, I mean, sorry, as his wife, I see all his weaknesses. And so sometimes as his helper, I've gotten in the rut where I can think, well, I see all his weaknesses. Let me help him point, point out all those weaknesses and help him grow and be a better person. But reality is that's not helpful. It, that makes him feel disrespected. So I've learned to, and still learning, to help grow, build up his strengths, encourage him towards his strengths. Um, you know, negative sometimes is my default, but I have to constantly work to help him growing and encouraging him in his strengths. And um, that's that's helpful. And, you know, there is a time and a place for confronting one another. There are times where we do that and help each other in that. But as I grow in respecting him, then I have more of a voice when it comes to confrontation. And the same with him. When he's loving me well, then he has more of a voice for confronting me. And we've learned, like, there's a time and a place. Confronting is not in front of the kids. That's disrespectful. (laughs) 
So or yeah. in front of other people. I mean, right. I've I've been in neighborhood groups, I've been in small groups and in church settings and I've heard a wife talk about how bad her husband is and I'm just like whoa, time out. Like, let's, if you, if you want to talk about this, let's not do it in this context that's so disrespectful. I mean, it, it destroys a man to, to have that be done. And he will take so many steps in the backwards direction to be loving towards you if that's how you speak about him. And so when that's happened, I've said to Leslie, you know, hey, that came across as disrespectful, how you brought that up in front of the kids. And then she, nine out of 10 times, graciously responds, I understand, let's go back to the back room and we'll talk for a minute. And one of the phrases that I want to do more is this phrase right here is, hey, the way you just said that came across as disrespectful. Is there something that I've done that's unloving? Because there's this cycle that happens. If I'm really unloving and not taking her interest into account, Mm -hmm. then she feels frustrated and maybe gets out of line and then says something out of frustration that's disrespectful. And then this crazy cycle begins, which we're going to talk about next week more. Yeah. And I am the judge of whether he's loving me or not. And he's the judge of whether I'm respecting him or not. And it is natural and normal for a wife to want to help her husband to grow spiritually. That is a good thing. But to be the Holy Spirit and to be that conviction or the ultimate counselor, it's like, come on. Like, your greatest thing you could do is push your husband to love Jesus. That's the best thing you could do. Not listen to you. You're not his savior. And if so, then you're setting him up for idol worship. So he needs to worship Jesus, not you. And so, uh, you know, that's just something, but I would say this is that you are the most trusted counselor in my life. Every big decision I've ever made, every wonderful success story we've ever had, it's because you have been that voice into my life. I think God specially gifts the wife to play this critical, valuable role. You should think of your wife in many realms as like the Holy Spirit to help you in, in decisions. And as wives, as we grow in respect and showing respect, then we strengthen that foundation of trust and being that wise counsel for each other. Yeah. So here's the reality. Marital relationships are designed as complementary roles. That is the biblical paradigm. I, I, I believe the Bible faithfully teaches and compels us to accept as true. You are not in competition with one another. You do not complete one another. You complement each other's roles. Mm -hmm. Why do I say that? That's rooted in the very Trinity, the very role of the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're in subordination in a sense to one another, Jesus to the Father, the Holy Spirit to Jesus and the Father. There's this order and we're to complement one another. And there's these primary needs as well. Ephesians 5.33 says, however, let each one of you love his wife that key word, love. The husband, your role is to show love, to give love, and then and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There's core differences. If you ask any man whether they want to be loved or respected by their wife, they would tell you, I'd rather be respected. Um, that's just in them. You ask a man about his, immediately he he ties a lot of his identity to his work and he wants to be appreciated and acknowledged and all that. So to be be in that complimentary, complimentary role, did you have something you wanted to add to that? 
Yeah, I think the key to complimenting each other is accepting the differences. So God made us very different, male, I'm female. And so there's a lot of differences there. And, um, you know, when we can appreciate those and not dwell on the negative, that's easy to do, dwelling on the negative and the differences. But that'll kind of get you stuck in a cycle of um, disrespect, really, if you focus there. So, you know, for us, Ryan and I, we're very different. Actually, I'm introverted. He's extroverted. I'm very detailed. He's big picture. I'm a red light parent. He's a green light parent. Almost everything about us is different. Yeah. I uh, don't like conflict. Ryan is actually energized by conflict. I I, I do like a little conflict all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So recently we went out to eat. It was about a month ago before Corona hit. And we were at our favorite Mexican restaurant. And we found a hair in our food. It was actually on Ryan's plate, but... Yeah, and it was just the beginning of the COVID-19 concerns. And right. I'm like, this is not good. Right, right when restaurants were starting to shut down, we, were, we wanted to run and go before they right. closed. So I, my go-to response is, well, let's just pull the hair out, throw it away, and ignore it. Act like it never happened. But Ryan, he wants to talk to the manager. He wants to get the discount. You know, it's just totally uh, the, the reality response. is on my end was I wanted to address the manager because I... This is my favorite restaurant, and I want it to be clean, and I want it to be successful, and this is just not to be tolerated. So I just wanted to, and I was curious as to why the manager didn't even come talk to us, which was a crazy thing. But anyway, we won't name the restaurant, but we were good. Well, And the manager appreciated it later. Yeah. And and I I gave the best tip I could possibly give. And I'm learning to appreciate the discounts and appreciate the differences and just the way God's made us different. Tell them what I said to you, though, at the restaurant. Remember when I said, sweetie? Yeah, so sometimes, well, at first he started out talking to the waitress, and when the waitress didn't solve the problem, then he asked for the manager. So at that point, sometimes that just creates a little stress for me. So he said, well, why don't you go wait in the car, because I'm going to talk to the manager. You probably don't want to be here for this. So I was like, you know what, that's a great idea. I'll go wait in the car, and then I just save myself some stress. (laughs) So, and the funny thing is about that, she said to me when I got in the car, she said, that was the most loving thing you could have done because you took my interest into consideration. You know, I hate those moments, but you just said, you might want to excuse yourself for this part. And it's not like I gave the guy a a lashing. I just expressed (laughs) the reality of this is not good. And you didn't even come talk to me, you know, so. So 18 years into our marriage. And Finally figuring some stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a while. It takes a while. So I think, you know, it, just to close off, the respectful husband helps her husband. Um, in Genesis 2.18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. There is just a reality that we need help. Guys, listen, you are married. You are custom designed, I promise you this, you need your wife's help. You are not intended to do life without her help. You won't be the man you were supposed to be without her help. Um, And God has created you to rely on that help. And that is the struggle for the wife, though, is to tend to try to be too much help. But let's talk about what it looks like. I've got three points. I'll just lay them out quickly. But recognize his role biblically, regard his work with words, Mm -hmm. and respond to leadership with actions. Why don't you speak to that just Mm -hmm. for a minute? 
Well, recognizing his role, the scripture repeats and emphasizes that wives are to submit to your husbands. So if it's repeated and emphasized in the scripture, it must be important. And when we are doing that, submitting to our husbands, ultimately we're submitting and obeying the Lord. So that's super important and a good place to be. There's a lot of peace there. And, um, you know, okay, so we have three kids. We have 15-year-old twins and an eight-year-old. And yesterday I was in the car with the, the twins and we were talking about relationships. And um, I told my son, I said, Sam, when you pick a wife, you know, you need to pick a good one that all of us like and approve of. And I said, really, Sam, if you pick a girl that loves the Lord and submits to the Lord, then she's going to submit to you and she's going to follow your leadership and honor you. Yeah. And I think, again, when you hear that word submit, you think, man, what does that mean? Remember, it is a divine calling to support and to care and to help your husband become the leader that he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, and that headship role is a divine calling for the husband to follow Christ's example and be that servant leader. And when you don't follow those divine callings, you just create your own marriage. And it becomes not a gospel marriage, but a good works marriage, which we'll get into that next week. Mm -hmm. And there is an order and a design in which this thing is supposed to work out. So Mm -hmm. what, what about regarding his work or responding to leadership? What would you say? Yeah, I would say a man finds a lot of identity in his work, his primary role is a provider. And so when you can affirm that, then you're showing your husband respect. And, um, you know, I think of the five love languages, a book by Gary Chapman, the five love languages are just ways that we can, practical ways we can show love and respect to each other. And the languages are words of affirmation, acts of kindness, quality touch, um, our physical touch, quality time together, and gifts. Yeah. And Ryan's love language is affirmation. So anytime I can affirm him, then I'm showing him respect. Uh, it does help a lot. I mean, and I, I, I'm pretty self-critical. I've, I analyze everything, evaluate everything. It's an axiom that we have at the church. Uh, we measure what matters. We evaluate everything. And I'm constantly in that critical mode of what can I do to make it better, to be better, and all that. So your words go a really long ways, especially when it's in front of the kids. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. she'll say from time to time, kids, you need to pay attention. You need to thank dad. He goes to work every day just so that we can have everything that we need. And mm-hmm. I think of a, a guy in our neighborhood group who does not like his job and would tell you it is physically draining on him, emotionally draining on him. Mm -hmm. And the other day in our neighborhood group, the wife chimed in and said, I'm just so proud of my husband. He goes to a job he hates, but he does it without complaining to serve me and our family. And I thought, oh my goodness, what a picture Mm -hmm. of Christ loving the church and laying down his life for his bride, you know? Yeah. So, well, um, in closing, I, we got this homework assignment, uh, the respectful wife's homework. And you, you, you asked me this question the other day without even knowing I wrote this down. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, when we first church planted and Ryan would teach on marriage, it actually would cause conflict between us. Right. Because there was such a, a, a chasm between where Jesus was and I was. Well, anyways, now it's years better. later, yeah, we're more seasoned, I feel like. And when Ryan teaches on marriage, we get it's, closer. it's actually, yeah, a great it's time fun. for us to brush up and evaluate how are we doing. So 
The other day I asked Ryan, well, how am I doing? How, how can I show you respect? What do, you, what do I do that shows you respect? Yeah, you said share with me something different ways. ways. Yeah, ways yeah, to show you respect. I can show you respect. Because if, if he doesn't tell me and I don't ask, then I'm just assuming or guessing and, or not doing it. And even after 18 years. Which right. is really interesting. Yeah. Because I'm like, we've covered this, but you know, it's, you know, covered again. And I will say it's not necessarily like a date night question because then what happens is it can turn into, well, this is what you're not doing. Right. So we, we went, if you want bonus work, you say wife to your husband, you say, what makes you feel disrespected? And that's yeah. bonus work, but, but brace yourself, you know? <laughs> but it was good. It was it good. It was really for, good. Yeah. For me to hear. Yeah, and I think, I think again, like, if a husband if feels disrespected, he is that judge who can say that, just as the wife is the judge if the husband's being unloving. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're going to uh, say that to your wife, you, you're being disrespectful, my encouragement is to go the extra mile and say, hey, that came across as a little disrespectful from my perspective. Is there anything I'm doing to make you not feel loved? Because it is this cycle you're going to see. If the wife doesn't feel loved, she's naturally going to be more disrespectful. It's hard, right, for any wife to show respect when the husband's incredibly unloving. And it's hard for a husband to be very loving if the wife's not very respectful. That's why next week we're going to talk about unconditional love, unconditional respect. That's what God wants in the marriage. That's called a gospel marriage. Mm -hmm. So great being with you guys. Uh, Let me pray for us and we'll close out our time together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of marriage. Um, I pray for, we pray for all of the married couples in our church. Would you strengthen them in their marriage to shine and reflect the love of Jesus Christ through the community at large as a reflection of your gospel love towards the church. And Father, for all the singles, might you encourage them with a vision and a heart to know they're complete in Jesus Christ. However, if you ever call them to be married, um, Father, that they would have a clear biblical pathway to follow and pursue uh, as they pursue that. Uh, We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Great being with you guys. Uh, We're going to continue to worship in just a minute, but I want to share with you a little bit about our uh, uh, offering opportunity. Hey guys, great being with you today. Before you leave, I want to share with you this cool story. Just the other day, a gal came up to our church and she said, hey, Pastor Ryan, I have a check that I've been meaning to give to the church and I just have kept it in my pocket because we've never given online. We always... Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.